Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Someone who I guarantee you knew the answer to that question is a gentleman who is very well informed. He is a radio talk show host. He's the former mayor of Watertown, New York, and the owner of the Pearl Street Pub in Watertown, and a guy that was on our show a year ago and two years before that. So whenever it's this date, we call upon him. My old friend, uh, Jeff Graham. Mr. Mayor, it is great to talk with you again. How have you been? Good, Frank. Good. I I would have missed one of those questions, though. Which one would you have gotten wrong? Uh, Trump's middle name. Oh, really? You I, wouldn't have picked yeah, John? I thought it was James or something, but, you know. All right. Well, hey, you, you got plenty of money. You don't need the $1,000 anyway. Uh, so right. so be it. Hey, uh, by the way, I was playing that cut from uh, that song, Sinatra, Watertown. How do the people of Watertown feel about that Sinatra album? Well, that was a lot of many, many years ago. I remember it, but... Uh... You know, I think they like uh, other Sinatra songs, uh, Do It My Way or New York, New York. But uh, that particular song is a little bit glum. So I don't it know is. how so, people feel about so it. So you guys don't treat it the way, the way that, say, in New York City, they treat New York, New York, or in Las Vegas, the Elvis song, Viva Las Vegas. It's not like a, a municipal anthem that you guys have. Uh, no, by no means. No. Okay. Uh, that's good to know. Do you, um, do you ever miss being mayor? Uh, not at the moment, no. Uh I had 20 years of it and, you know, had my turn in the barrel and, uh, and I'm enjoying being an outsider. Now, you were elected in a nonpartisan election and uh, Atlantic City, which we, we talk about on Thursdays, they are going to be voting this year on converting their system of elections for both the city council and the mayor from what a lot of cities have, including New York City, to um a system of nonpartisan elections as somebody that's run in nonpartisan elections and as somebody that's run in partisan elections, like when you ran for U S Senate, what do you think of that as a system for cities? Is that something that you think cities should consider nonpartisan elections? Well, I think there's a lot of merit to it. Uh, Generally municipal issues, pothole issues, if you will, uh, don't fall into the Republican versus Democrat line. And, um, you know, a lot of times the things you have to do to percolate up through one of the parties, mm. you know, doesn't necessarily accrue to being a very good mayor. So uh, I think there's merit to it uh, to kind of keep the, the party labels out of it. You never will entirely, but uh, I would support Atlantic City doing that. Yes. Now, as I mentioned, you did run for U.S. Senate. Uh, the fellow that you the two people that you ran against in that uh, in that election in 2000 in New York were a Republican by the name of Rick Lazio and a Democrat by the name of uh, Hillary Clinton. Now, six years later, when Hillary Clinton was running for reelection, you actually nominated Hillary Clinton um, to be nominated by the Independence Party. Dick Morris raised with John Katsimatidis on his Sunday radio show the possibility that if Biden doesn't run again, that he thinks that Hillary Clinton is going to try and jump into the presidential race. And we could see a Hillary versus Trump rematch, the same contest we saw in 2016 in 2024. How would you handicap a race like that? And how, how would you be leaning as a voter in a race like that? 
Well, I definitely would be leaning uh, heavily towards Trump. Uh, I think his policies uh, uh, are better for America. But on the other hand, you know, that type of race that it just uh, it's picking the scab, uh, if you will. Um, emotions are so strong against both those people. I'm just not sure that really is what America wants. I, I, you know, we've got a whole crew of leaders from Biden on mm. down who are pretty old. And um, I think there's a lot of people who would like to see fresh faces. You know, it's funny. I, I To your point, I did a segment a week or so ago. Maybe you saw the story that one of the few things that Americans across party lines agree with is that we should consider age limits for elected officials. Mm-hmm. Well, it, yeah, you could do that. I remember Strom Thurmond got up to like 100, I think. Uh, currently, Dianne Feinstein is senator from uh, California. Tragically, I don't know if she knows she's senator from mm-hmm. California. She's just a placeholder for Schumer on the roster. And you do end up with situations like that. But you can end up, as there are in Pennsylvania, with a John Fetterman, who certainly isn't old. Uh, but there's a lot of question about whether he should be uh a U.S. senator. Mm. No, that's for sure. Uh, that is uh, absolutely for sure. All right. Um, you are, as I mentioned, a uh, a tavern owner. Uh, you've been doing that for longer than you were the mayor, right? Uh, yes, 37 years. <laughs> wow. How, uh, we've been hearing so much about inflation. We've been hearing about the uh, the difficulty of getting good people to work for you at a reasonable price sure. throughout the economy. How have both of those uh, issues affected you, the cost of labor and inflation and the things that you need to pay to run your business? Well, inflation, as in cost of product, beer, liquor, so on, uh, yeah, they just keep raising it, and they don't, they don't mind doing it. As far as labor, it's got to be an interesting situation. Uh, the, the cost of it is... Remember four or five years ago, they had that fight for 15 to get $15 an hour. That's yesterday's news now. I mean, uh, they're opening a new Chick-fil-A up here uh, next month, and I think they're hiring people at 18 to $20 an hour. Some places uh, places pay even more. So uh, wage rates have gone way up. And the other problem you have is that now there's a lot of good workers out there, and I'm fortunate to have some, but there seems to be an ethic now that, you don't have to work. We were brought up to believe that at a certain age, you just went out and got a job, but that's not the case anymore. And there's an awful lot of people, and I think it was sort of amplified by COVID, who just don't want to go to work. Mm. And uh, they think they can work from home or they got used to getting the free checks and so on. And I think that's contributing to some of the frustrations. We've got local restaurants up here that are closed Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday because they claim they can't get enough labor. Now, you know, maybe they're not trying hard enough. I don't know. Um, but what you have to pay for labor now is up substantially than from what it was. And that's, uh, you know, just one more challenge. Yeah. So how do you, how do you deal with that? Do you, do you end up just passing those, uh, those costs onto the consumer? Do you work harder to recruit people to work for you? How do you as a business owner deal with that? Well, I think you have to work hard to recruit the right people so that you can operate lean and mean, if you will. Uh, with with people who can get the job done and are dependable, so I think that's that's a a, a task for management. Uh, yeah, you work a little harder yourself. Some of it you can pass along in prices, but you know, people who go to a neighborhood tavern are pretty uh, price conscious. Let me put it that way. Oh no, I can and, imagine. You, you know, twenty five cents on a bottle of beer or something. You know, it gets talked about a lot. So uh, that's not all that easy to do as it is in 
in chain restaurants or chain stores where you know nobody even pays much attention to what the dollar amount is. So, you know, you just have to work harder and, and try to hire the right people who can, uh, you know, help your business and, uh, and most of all, not hurt it. I am, uh, as I think the audience knows, and if people just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Jeff Graham. He's the former mayor of Watertown, New York, and uh, he is the uh, proud owner of the uh, Pearl Street Pub in Watertown. If you're ever in Watertown, be sure to go and uh, check it out. Um, but uh, I am a Seinfeld fan, as a lot of the, the audience knows. And a bunch a few years ago, I read a book, I think it was self-published, by Michael Costanza, who was a friend of Jerry Seinfeld and who may be, and he claims to be, the basis for the character of George Costanza. And in that book, Michael describes a trip that he and Jerry made up to Watertown in the 1970s to visit your pub and go on your radio show. I'm wondering, what do you remember, if anything, about a young Jerry Seinfeld coming up uh, to see you and having him on the radio back in the 70s? Well, uh, my recollection of it, I wasn't doing radio at the time and actually uh, wasn't in the pub business at the time. He did come up. A friend of mine, we worked at the public television station together, a friend named Jesse Michnick. He was from New York City, and uh, he was working as a technician, and he knew Seinfeld from the club scene down there. This is back before he was really famous. So he arranged for Seinfeld to come to Watertown and perform at a nightclub. I think it was called the Golden Lion. Around what year and is I this? Remember, is this the 70s? Is it the 80s? Yeah, late 70s, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't mean to dispute the gentleman's... No, no, no. Well, uh, Jerry Seinfeld is disputing many of the things that he says in that book. That's all. You can feel free if Jerry Seinfeld's doing it. I mean, there's there's some... He was up here, and I did meet him. And um, a colleague of mine uh, from public television and I, we interviewed him. One of the great regrets of my life is we didn't set the film aside somewhere. Um, He was very funny, but I mean, at the time, he just seemed, well, this guy's entertaining. And then all of a sudden, a couple of years later... He's the biggest thing in the world. So, uh, yeah, and he was very, very cordial person and uh, did a good job up there. I think people were entertained. So, yeah, it was quite a, an honor to have met him at the time. You always look back in life, Frank, at, you know, famous people I may have bumped into along the way, and he certainly is high on that list. So it was not as if you encountered Jerry Seinfeld and you were struck by this incredible charisma and you said, this guy's going to be the, the biggest star in the world one day. Well, I'm not sure you can anticipate that. You know, you meet someone mm. who's uh, early in their career, and yes, they are charming and have charisma and, and they're funny, but, you know, who thinks all of a sudden they're going to be that big? So, no, I mean, we, you know, it was it was entertaining and, and had a good time meeting him and everything, but uh, um, obviously it was a bit of a surprise a couple of years later when he was so big. Oh, sure. I, I can absolutely Imagine, um, you know, one of the other things that uh, I mentioned before that you ran as the Independence Party nominee for U.S. Senate uh, against Hillary Clinton back in 2000. You were a leader in the uh, in the Independence Party for some time. There's some talk of a revitalized third party movement as we go into 2024. You have Andrew Yang and Christy Todd Whitman uh, trying to spearhead something called the Forward Party. Uh, You have a group called No Labels that's currently petitioning 
and they say they're going to run a candidate that uh, if if the candidates nominated by the Republicans and Democrats are too far to the right and left, respectively, they're going to offer a third-party alternative. You have the crypto billionaire Brock Pierce, who's indicated he plans to move forward with a third-party run. I'm curious, as somebody that spent so much time not only as an elected official but as a leader in the third-party movement, where do you see uh, the third-party movement going in this country? I think it's going to be a pretty rough road. I mean, generally, these third-party efforts revolve around a personality like a Perot, George Wallace, etc. I just, you know, you look at what happened during the pandemic when Cuomo changed all the rules Mm. to make it even harder for third parties to get ballot access. And now we've got the first time since 1946, there's only two candidates for governor on the New York ballot, uh, Hochul and uh, Zeldin. There are no minor party candidates, even if you want to cast a protest vote. I think, you know, you remember when Al Lewis. Oh, sure. Grandpa, 1998. And, you know, our friend, the Manhattan madam and, and some other people were running at least as protest candidates. Uh, but that's not an option this year in New York, and we just got the two of them. Yeah, no, that's a real shame. So let's talk about that race. Uh, the conventional wisdom has uh, Governor Hochul with, uh, in the catbird seat in that race. Uh, Congressman Zeldin, he's pushing for more debates. Governor Hochul's agreed to one debate. Uh, Congressman Zeldin says that's unacceptable. Uh, Congressman Zeldin's trying to make an issue of, um, of uh, crime. He's trying to make an issue of congestion pricing. And uh, he's trying to make an issue of cost of living. Do you see that race uh, being, being competitive? Do you think there's a chance that uh, Lee Zeldin might pull that one out? Well, these debates over debates, you know, they happen in every campaign. Mm. I, I, I don't know how much impact they all have. Um, I think the crime issue cuts in Zeldin's favor. You get video like that, that lady in the subway station this week who got the stuffing beat out of her. I mean, that's pretty powerful stuff. But on the other hand, Hochul has, you know, major public employee unions, um, certainly the traditional baseline Democratic vote. You know, she's pandered heavily to the New York City legislative delegation, Carl Hasty and Andrea Stewart, Stewart Cousins and all of that, uh, so that she has that vote. And I don't know what she gets out of the Buffalo area being a Buffalo area native. Um, you know, she did. Uh, she got them the bills Zeldin. in that Buffalo boondoggle over there, right? Uh, well, exactly. And, uh, you know, I don't agree with it. I, I think there's a lot of things wrong with it, not just the money, not just your husband's involvement with it. Um, and the fact that they're building a stadium right across the street from the existing one doesn't seem to be moving the ball in, as far as urban development. But nonetheless, she's doing it. And, you know, I've, I've heard Bills fans say, oh, she got us a new stadium. Right. Well, right. there's got to be more to it than that. Uh, Jeff, do people, and obviously your, the people in your county and your city, they vote a lot differently than the people in, in, in the five boroughs of New York City. Do but the population in New York City is so large that uh, essentially I hate to say this, but uh, numerically it doesn't matter how the people in Western New York or upstate vote. How frustrating is that to the residents in your area? That no matter even if everybody in your community votes for one candidate, if New York City goes in the opposite direction, you really have very little control over your own destiny, at least on a statewide level. Is that fr- frustrating? Frustrating to the folks in your area? Well, I think it is. You often hear the comments that, you know, New York City you know, runs the state and so on. Uh, obviously, if Hulk Hochul walks out of the Bronx with a quarter million vote margin, you know, it's hard to make that up in small upstate counties. Mm-hmm. Um, you can easily win 
Let's see, there's 62 counties. You could even win 55, 56 of them as a Republican and still lose the race simply because Kings County, Bronx, Manhattan, and so on are so heavily um, uh, Democratic. The only one down there that's Republican, I guess, is your native Staten Island. Right. And so, and Staten Island's hardly deep red. I mean, it's a bipartisan county. Sometimes Democrats win, sometimes Republicans win. Well, that's true up here, too. I mean, we have Democratic members of Congress in upstate districts. Uh, obviously, the upstate cities, Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo, all they uh, tend to run Democratic. Uh, so, you know, the margins are not absolute up here. And there's a lot of people who vote Democratic upstate. Uh, it's not a 85 to 15 type margin like you get in some of these um, assembly districts in, in the Bronx or, or so on. Uh, you know, there's still reasonably competitive races. So, um, yeah, people are frustrated by it. Uh, there doesn't you look at the state assembly where there's only 45 or six Republicans out of 150. Uh, there's less than a third of the state senators are Republican. I think people have kind of come to the conclusion that, uh, mm. uh, you know, we got a problem there. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting. I don't know if Hochul can be beat. I would say I'd subscribe to conventional wisdom. I mean, Zeldin's got to do something to break through. It has not been an, an inspiring effort so far. All right. Well, now, uh, Jeff, we're now airing in Baltimore as well. It uh, looks like after the Orioles game yesterday that they're going to have a uh, tough road to making the playoffs. I, I, I think they're pretty close to being mathematically eliminated from making the playoffs. Is, is there anything that you do as a bar owner to console the fans of a team that are mathematically eliminated. If an Orioles fan comes in the day after they're mathematically eliminated, do you offer them, uh, I don't know, a, a cry-in-your-beer special or something along those lines? Well, you try to respect people's wishes. I mean, obviously, we don't get many Oriole fans. Sure. And the, I, I think the Yankees play the Orioles this weekend. That's right. Uh, so we're all still praying for Judge. Uh, but... Uh, you know, the Yankees, of course, won the division title and all that. But Baltimore had a good year. I mean, you look at how the year started for them. Uh, I think they got up above 500, uh, played a lot of good ball, and have a lot to be proud of. So um, I wouldn't hang their heads too much in Baltimore. All right. Uh, Jeff, it's always great to talk with you. Uh, next time you're uh, downstate, please do let me know. All right. I will. Thank you, Frank, and have a good day. Thank you, Jeff Graham, uh, joining us for uh, our anniversary program. He was with us two years ago when we started the show. With us still. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. We'll do 15 seconds of fame in just a moment. If you want to be heard for 15 seconds, now's the time to call. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. 